Welcome to Defining Endurance, a podcast focused on providing actionable insights for endurance athletes. Whether you're an athlete just getting started in endurance sports or a veteran looking to gain an edge, the Defining Endurance podcast is here to ask curious questions with athletes and fitness professionals, and most importantly, dive deep on current training topics so you can become the best version of yourself. Let us wait no longer. Let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to the Lifelong Endurance Podcast, Defining Endurance. I am Coach Lexi Miller, joined today by fellow coach Hillary Osborne. Hillary is both a strength and conditioning coach, as well as a super awesome trail, ultra, and mountain uh, endurance coach. Hi, Hillary. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, you know, I think it's so cool that you combine these two areas of strength and endurance. Um, and I really want to, you know, get into that. But before we even start, tell me how you got into the endurance world. Yeah. So I started running in high school doing track and cross country. Then um, fast forward a little bit to uh, college and my junior, senior year of college, I was able to join the cross country team. And that is where I fell in love with long distance efforts and the training process. Senior year, me and a few friends decided to use our fitness from the season and run a marathon. Um, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done, but I found strength and so much joy in the accomplishment of that. So the love of running continued. And as I completed, um, or as I went on and completed more marathons over the years, then it was about when I was about 30 and after I had my first kid that I found trail running, I loved running on the dirt and exploring beautiful places. Um, I found that the time just flew by and again, just fell more in love with the process, um, of running. So since then it had just been a progression into more time on the trails and racing further and further distances. So tell me about that transition going from that first marathon. That was the hardest thing ever to, you know, the crazy long races that you do now. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's, we all reach the end of a, our first long race and think maybe never again, but yet, uh, it keeps calling to us. And, you know, a day later, we're thinking about what else is, could I do? Um, and just that question of like, what else is possible? What else could I do is enticing and can't be ignored. So I followed it. I chased that that question and just discovered more, um, and loved the process, especially finding trails. There's just something really, um, empowering about moving through the mountains and running on dirt and being in beautiful places that makes you want to keep coming back. Oh my gosh. No kidding. And I, I think that we're, we're so lucky to live in Colorado where there is no shortage of mountain trails. So tell me, what are some of your favorites or where are some of the favorite races you've done? Oh, um, well, I love where I live. Like you mentioned, I'm, I'm close to the, the front range in Colorado. And so trails are just minutes away. And, and I'm so thankful for that. Every time I get out, I don't take it for granted just how easy that is. And, um, and I really appreciate that. Some of my favorite races, um, have been, well, it wasn't necessarily a race, but it was my own personal adventure was tackling rim to rim to rim of the grand Canyon. And 
I mean, that is just, it's, you can't put into words how beautiful and amazing that place is that the Canyon is special and awe-inspiring and be able to use my own two feet to take me from one side and then back to the other is just, um, an amazing feeling. And so it was, it was a journey I'll never forget. And, um, and I loved every minute of it. The, the Grand Canyon is, is probably one of my favorite places on earth. Um, and it, it actually is what led me to become a running coach was after spending, uh, being fortunate to spend 19 days there, um, which I know that you and I have kind of a similar path. Neither of us started out in the sports performance industry. Tell me a little bit about that transition for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started my, uh, first BA is in, um, psychology and started out my career in, um, case management world. Um, uh, I think it's still like the need, the desire to, to help people reach their goals has always been a part of me. So there's a good connect. There's a strong connection there between coaching and, uh, and case management. Um, but that, that work for me just had an expiration date. Um, and I found after, um, having kids, I was just looking for a change in career. So, um, so as it happened after, after having kids and returning to running, I dealt with a hamstring injury. I was hoping to compete in my first ultra, uh, Bighorn 50 K up in Wyoming, but the injury just was so severe and limiting that I never made it to the starting line. I ended up seeing a physical therapist for the injury, but didn't see any improvement. And then I was able to find a, a different physical therapist that specialized in running injuries and approached injuries more holistically. He looked at my form and identified small biomechanical factors that were leading to the persistence of my injury. And so basically I was overstriding in a way that caused me to stretch and stress, stress the hamstring muscle every time I ran. So no am amount of manual therapy was going to change that, that, um, that I needed a change in my running mechanics. So we worked on those things together and the, I, and then that's when like this light went off in my head of like how amazing it is that through body awareness and through improvements made through form work, I can change, um, what's happening in my body. I can improve that injury. And what happened is I saw that I became an active role or I became an active participant in my recovery. And so I wanted to help others avoid injury and return to sport they love and perform their best by being active. Um, so I wanted to find a way to give that to other people. So I decided to go back to school. I gained another bachelor's in exercise science. I really wanted that foundational knowledge and a deep dive into um, exercise science. And this is where I just, I, I learned about strength training and the idea of movement as a form of self-improvement specifically for performance. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit about that experience of first being injured, going through that life transition, and then going back to college in your thirties to get another degree. <laughs> yeah, that's an adventure in itself. Uh, you know, being in your thirties around, uh, 20 year olds, uh, 
in college for the first time around, but, but I loved every minute of it because it was, it was my choice and 100% wanted to be there. So I just, uh, I loved the education. I loved the deep dive into all things exercise and science. Um, and I did my best to just soak it all up to be able to apply what I'm learning to running and, and performance. That is so amazing. Um, so yeah, the other similarity you and I have is we both have a background of working in, in uh, mental health and human services. So, you know, I, I know that's led me quite a bit in my coaching. Tell me how your background in psychology has helped you as a coach. Oh yeah. So you can't separate the two, right? I mean, our performance and, um, how we think about our training is, is all related to how we think about ourselves or how we deal with that. And so, and I find that as a coach, you're not just training someone to lift weight or to be able to run a distance. You're, uh, you're getting to know that that person as an individual and the stressors they're dealing with in their life or, um, you know, what gets them excited and, and how it all affects training. And so being able to have a little bit of a psychology background, just, I feel like rounds me out as a coach and, um, gives me another tool when I, when I work with individuals. I, I totally agree. And then I think you also have that interesting place where, not only are you motivating athletes towards their goals, but you're also helping runners with strength training. And historically, um, you know, I can say as a coach, getting runners to do strength training is, is not always an easy task, especially ultra and trail runners. Um, it's a population that just loves to, to be out on the trail and doesn't always feel excited about the weight room. So kind of tell me about your specialty of working with strength training with these, with these athletes. Yeah. So you're so right. It is hard to, um, maybe sometimes get runners to, to get in the, the weight room, but I do see strength as a tool to fill in the gaps for regular endurance training. Strength work should always complement a training plan and never take away from what an athlete can do in running. So, so that's, so that's critical for me as a coach is identifying those cap, those gaps for each person that's why it's important to assess each per person and in order to make a plan that is specific to them and everyone will, is different. So everyone will have different needs around, uh, their training in the weight room. Also, my job as a coach is to look at the demands of the sport of running and match that in the gym. So, um, so that is a big piece of kind of mirroring the two or putting the two together is if when a runner does spend time in the gym, it, it should really be running focused and all with the intention of improving their, their running, you know, running requires strong hips, postural control, anti-rotation through the trunk, uh, a stiff acting spring in the Achilles. So programming and exercise selection should all be with the goal of developing these qualities. So when you do an assessment for an athlete, what does that kind of look like? Yeah. So I'm looking at, um, you know, head to toe, I'm looking at the hips and strength in all areas of movement. So hip flexors, hip extensors, ad abductors, adductors, 
where are the weaknesses there? Um, and then that informs what exercise selection might look like. I'm also looking at core control. So strength training or sorry, running requires, um, the ability for the thoracic spine and the lumbar spine to be able to twist and rotate opposite of each other. And the core has to stabilize through that. And so, um, so I look at first, if the runner has the ability to kind of separate those two things and, and then can we control that rotation? So why do endurance athletes, especially trail and ultra runners need strength training? Yeah, great question. So while I agree that running is is the best thing to do to improve your running. It can't fix everything and it isn't the complete picture of health. So while running may give you an incredibly robust aerobic system, lower your resting heart rate and improve stroke volume, it only challenges the muscles worked in that one specific way. So if injuries pop up, more running isn't gonna be the solution. And also there is value in being a well-rounded athlete, uh, strength training one or two times a week will maintain lean body mass. And this is especially important as we age that implementing strength training can ward off this, the loss of muscle mass strength training stimulates a lot of neuromuscular adaptations, like increased motor unit recruitment, rapid activation of muscle fibers to produce force quickly, tendon stiffness and increased time to fatigue. And so all these qualities that can be enhanced in the gym will improve running performance. Um, so when I train someone, I, I really think about the, again, going back to the demands of the sport and how can we enhance that in the gym? And so I, I prioritize hip strengthening, postural control, eccentric loading of the hamstrings, calf strengthening and core stability. And kind of real quickly, I'll, I'll talk about why those areas are important for runners. Um, hip strengthening again, like the hips, uh, should be strong in all planes of motion. Running is primarily a sagittal plane activity and that forward motion, but it's important, especially trail runners, uh, need to be stable through the hips in all areas of motion. Think about zigzagging down a rocky hill or dodging roots. The hips need to be strong in all areas. And of course, this applies to roadrunners as well, that if an athlete is strong and stable in all planes of movement, then that increases the capacity and power to move forward. So I'm going, when I work with runners, I'm going to strengthen the hips with all movements. And then second postural control. So this is critical for athletes, uh, especially for endurance athletes who are carrying packs on their backs and moving for four plus hours or racing even for 24 plus hours. And once the upper body starts to fatigue, it collapses and then it, it compromises breathing, which limits the amount of oxygen an athlete can take in and get to working muscles. So a strong post upper body, good posture can, um, eliminate some of that. And then, um, a really important factor for runners in the gym is focusing on the posterior side of the, of the legs. So the glutes, the hamstrings, and I like to work the hamstrings eccentrically because the hamstrings primary job is to slow down the force of the quads in leg swing. 
Uh, and during that swinging action, the hamstrings uh, contract eccentrically. And so I'll mimic this with, with exercises in the gym, like, uh, like in bridge position, slide outs and slowly uh, moving heels away from your body, controlling that slide out and curling back in. Another priority in the gym is calf strengthening. Uh, the calf complex muscle, which is your gastrocnemius, the soleus, including the Achilles tendon is the powerhouse of forward propulsion. And this is extremely important for master's athletes is it's a really common site of injury. So, so I, I put a lot of attention to this in, in exercise selection because it is, it's basically your spring. It's what, um, it allows you to use elastic energy instead of muscular energy. So if you have a weakness here, you're kind of leaving a lot on the table in terms of efficiency and performance. And I'll strengthen and develop this elastic energy in two ways. One is with strict strength exercises like loaded heel raises, loaded toe marching, bent knee heel raises, which focuses uh, specifically on that soleus. And then also with plyometrics training the calf muscle complex in this dynamic way leads to decreased contact time with, um, when running and decreased force production, which, um, eliminates an injury and increases efficiency. So exercises like this look like pogo jumps, which is, um, real quick hopping on your toes. It's basically like jump roping, but without a jump rope. And you can do this, uh, side to side or forward and back. Uh, bounding, single leg hops, single leg bounding, box jumps, on and on. These these activity, those exercises are extremely important for runners um, in order to develop that elastic energy. Uh, and then another and last priority for runners in the gym is that core stability. Like I was talking about how the thoracic spine and the lumbar spine twist in a counter rotation movement when you run. Uh, you want um, some rotation, but too much is inefficient. And so it's the core's job. It's the core's muscular musculature job to stabilize that counter rotation. So core work looks similar um, in that way. And so those are, those are kind of like my overall priorities when I look at runners and, um, and how I select exercises. That's awesome. So, um, you know, you, you do more than just strength coach. You are also an endurance coach or running coach. So tell me, you know, you coach athletes to be mountain strong. What does the, what are important aspects of being mountain strong outside of strength training? Yes. To me, being mountain strong is kind of all inclusive. It's strong in mind. It's strong in heart. It's strong in body. Um, so it includes this is your strength training in the gym. This is your endurance training, uh, with your own two feet. Um, and running in the mountains is a very challenging thing. It requires a lot of mental fortitude, strong legs, endurance, stamina, and of course, appreciation for where you are. And I guess I define mountain strong as just the power that comes through moving in the mountains and not, not a power over anything, but that power within and the power to do something. Um, 
And that's what lights me up as a coach is, is for people is to help people tap into their power within and, uh, their power to do something. So as a coach, how do you help athletes find that power? Yeah. So I think it's about, uh, recognizing strengths and you have to start there. Um, assessing where a person is and, and their capabilities and helping them see their capabilities and finding, finding the wins, whether it's, uh, you know, hitting a new squat PR or it's, uh, being able to, to do an exercise you couldn't do two weeks ago or, um, running a distance you couldn't do a month ago, um, finding those wins and, and building from there is, uh, just what I like to do for athletes, um, finding their own strengths and developing on that. So tell me how you help, you know, we've talked about how you build strength. How does a person build endurance? I guess I define endurance as the ability to keep moving, to keep showing up, keep finding that forward progress. Uh, it's, it's the long game. It's not the instant gratification. So it's showing up after motivation is gone after passion dwindles and it's a choice. Uh, endurance is a choice. And I think that's, uh, definitely one thing that is true when it comes to ultra distances and racing is, is deciding from the onset that you will finish. Um, it's kind of, it's one thing that I adopted in when I tackled my first ultra was just that whatever come, whatever comes in this day, I'm choosing to finish. Of course, you know, aside from like a really extreme injury or limiting factor, but if it was within my control, I would finish. And to me, that's what endurance is, um, is the choice to keep going. And I think that, you know, I love what you said there, that so much of it is a choice and so much is kind of that mental fortitude. Um, so to, to finish up, what advice would you give an ultra runner or an endurance runner who's having trouble to, you know, get motivated to train with, you know, the pandemic going on or having trouble getting into the gym to do that strength training? Yeah. You know, I would say find a small element of it that you can do. Um, don't look at, don't look at what you, the shoulds, what you should be doing. If you feel, you know, not, it's not about this many miles or this much time, but, um, find a small piece of training that feels exciting. Like, um, maybe it's really hard to get outside in a cold morning, but you really wouldn't mind if you have access to a treadmill, maybe you really wouldn't mind getting up and like watching your favorite show and running on the treadmill. Hey, you're still doing it. You're still, um, moving your body, um, and, and finding something you can do. Um, or maybe you just, you don't want to spend all that time alone during exercise. So you're going to reach out to a buddy, um, and, run, uh, safely, of course, with masks and social distancing, but, um, the social connection is what you'll, you'll look forward to. And so if you can do it through movement, then do it. Or I know sometimes when my motivation is really low, I just, um, I dial back the intensity and be like, Hey, I, 
this workout doesn't have to be at a specific pace or for a specific distance, but, um, I'm, I'm just going to go find a hike that will take me outside and be in nature. And I'm going to give myself permission to move as slowly as I want to take as many pictures as I want. Um, and then, and then just finding joy that you were able to move and you got outside. I think that's so true. And as, as we mentioned before, such a big part of, especially the trail and ultra culture is that finding joy outside. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I can be found on Instagram. My handle is train underscore with underscore Hillary. Hillary is two L's H I L L A R Y. Um, you can also find information about me at the lifelong endurance website, um, go to coaches and then look for Hillary. Awesome. And then you also do a morning class and people can sign up for that class on the lifelong endurance site. If they want to do a virtual strength training, do you want to quickly tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, because of, uh, cold temperatures in Colorado, we're, we're doing that over zoom. Um, we it's every Tuesday, Thursday morning, six thirty mountain time. It runs for an hour and we're, uh, it's, it's full body, a mix of strengthening cardio. Um, sometimes I mix in balance and you just need a set of weights. If you have it, if not, um, I provide a lot of modifications to just use the body weight and it's, it's a good workout. It's a good time. And I'd love for you guys, you can try it for the first time for free. So check it out. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Hillary. Uh, for anyone listening who has more questions, you can, of course, comment on our podcast or send us an email and we can forward them along to Hillary and she can help you out with your strength training. Um, again, we really appreciate your time and your knowledge. This is just such great information for all runners. Uh, thank you again for listening to Defining Endurance, the Lifelong Endurance podcast, and we'll see you all next week.